three. He struck out a really impressive bottom of the eighth inning for right-hander Colby White. kids talk about these guys that play at this stage and stuff and, and every kid wants wants to and, and that's kind of molded me into being able to succeed at this level. Spencer said, Colby, you just got drafted in the sixth round. And I thought he was joking, but then I started thinking about uh, you know how hard I worked just to get here and just better pitch here and then thinking about that I started crying a little bit. Just when I get in, I know I got three outs to get. It's me versus whoever steps in the box. They're going to catch hell for, for three outs. All right, guys, welcome back to another show today. Brushing the back with Kobe White. Kobe, state of Mississippi, glad to see you again, man. How you doing? Doing good. Glad to be back home. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you're a little closer to the house myself. It's uh, it's quite a challenge working with Kobe and him in uh, what 40, 14 hours away or something like that. It seems like that. All right, guys. Today's today's show. Uh, Kobe got one of his best friends in the entire world to come on the show today. Uh, can't wait to hear his story. Uh, got a few questions we want to run by. I want to hear about his inspirational trip to the bigs. Uh, Kobe, won't you go ahead and introduce our guest today? Any chances when you say Mississippi State gave you an opportunity? Um, if you were as good as as I've been told you were, which I I watched you play, I, I can testify how good you were. Uh, how many chances did you get? I mean, did you have a lot of schools reached out to you? Uh, did the draft come knocking as soon as you got out of high school? Uh, 
Yeah, but I, I talked to some uh, talked to some teams, you know, before the draft in high school and stuff. But I made it clear to them that I didn't want to go out of high school. Um, I wanted to go get my college education. Um, I had more than I can count uh, junior colleges uh, at my at my door. Um, I had you know probably eight or nine D1, maybe a little more D1 scholarship or that scholarship. But you know notes. I'd get notes and letters from. You know, about coming and visiting and stuff like that. But I didn't really think anything of I knew where I wanted to go to college. Um, and it was Mississippi State the whole time. And I was just waiting for them to hopefully, you know, send that same, you know, letter and invitation to be able to go and play college there, play college, college ball. So. You didn't regret okay, You didn't regret the college decision, I'm assuming. No, not at all. That was the best three years of my life. And I'll take that to grace. <laughs> Ain't no doubt. Uh, so, going into your freshman year, what I mean, did you expect – do you remember any thoughts that you had going into to Mississippi State? You know, you're coming from Hurley, uh, which I guess is 4A high school. We're playing against good competition and all. But then when you step into the SEC for the first time, what, did, what do you kind of remember on that? Did you ever have – was any kind of overwhelmingness to it or was it kind of just a simple, this is baseball? Well, you go from um, where your hometown doesn't even have a red light, and then you go up to Starkville, and, you know, it's college towns, and, you know, you're playing with a lot better caliber ball players than you were in high school, and coming there as the underdog and, you know, the, the, the new guy, and, uh, you know, there's a sense of, I guess, urgency to be able to prove a point to, you know, the coaches and obviously the older guys to – you know, want to do good and help the team win and stuff like that. But I, I think, let's see. So I think I had two weeks off, and then I went to summer school and trained for that month of summer school until I think I took like three classes or something, two classes. And then that fall came. And um, after we went through the fall program and stuff, and then after that I was actually asked to, um, you know, Hey, uh, I think I think Coach Cohen came up to me and was like, "Hey, man, uh, you're not really gonna probably play as much as you want to, just because you're being a freshman and stuff. What about you know redshirting so you get an extra year on the back end?" And I'm like, mm, well, "I sat there and you know I thought about it for a couple of weeks and everything, and I didn't want to, you know, I, I really didn't want to redshirt, really didn't want to, and uh, so I didn't, and I just kept working out and training and stuff like that, and." You know, push come to shove. You know, I, I, I ended up getting some games, some midweek games. I ended up starting some midweek games and had, you know, look, you know, had some success. And then um, my freshman year, I was actually, I think we played, we played Florida the third SEC weekend, and I actually got to start that game and I did four innings in that game. But that that game right there, I feel like really kicked me off. You know, you know, really just jump started me to, you know, have my career that I had at Mississippi State. Mississippi State. I don't know. I can't argue with that well, because I, I watched that series. You you were quite impressive in that game. Uh, was um, one quick question I got for you. When when did you realize during your college experience that hey, you know what? There's a really good chance I might actually get drafted, make it to the to the majors. Like where in that process at three years, where did it happen? It happened um, about midway through my sophomore year. I always say my sophomore year was my best year. Um, 
I, I, if I had to rank my three years at Mississippi State from best to worst, uh, I'd put my sophomore year first, and I'd put my, actually I put my freshman year second, and my junior year third. Um, I feel like you know deep down I feel like I fell down a little bit my junior year, and that you know kind of dumped me down a couple couple rounds. So, um, but yeah, about midway through my sophomore year, I thought. Um, I, you know, I'm actually doing it. You know, here in college, maybe I'm, you know, catching the eye of a couple scouts here and there. You know, I don't in college. I, like I said, I'm and even in high school. I, I never thought about any of that kind of stuff. I just kind of kept my head down and worked hard every day, and you know, did my own little thing. But you know, I didn't really try to focus on all that kind of stuff. But I, I feel like if I had to go back and think about it now, I think about halfway through my sophomore year. And speaking on uh, your junior year. You know, that was kind of a rougher year as, you know, for the team. A lot of stuff was going on and all that, and you turn around and go to the College World Series. That's got to be a pretty pretty big pat on the back saying, hey, you know, even when things get rough, you can turn it around, uh, which is which was kind of cool for me, knowing I was going there next year. And, uh, heck, y'all sitting in Omaha after, you know, Southern Miss Series at the beginning of the year and everything that happened. But, uh but man, talk about the uh, Cape. It says you. I, I got to look up your stuff a little bit. Uh, Cape League uh, All Star. Uh, what I mean, how was that experience? I mean, was that kind of a, a fresh taste? How did I mean? Did how'd you like the first taste of some wood bats and that kind of thing, or does it just kind of felt the same? Oh uh, yeah, dude. The Cape the Cape League was extremely fun. I really enjoyed the Cape. I played for the Brewster Whitecaps. Um, you know, very, very, very uh, laid-back town. Uh, not much really going on, but it's a really, um, I guess, neat town, if I should say. Um, there's little creeks and stuff like that. My uh, host family I had was that was their first time, you know, hosting a, a player like that. So they really wanted to go out and show me the whole cape and everything like that. So we really got to go out and, um, you know, explore around, you know, the cape of Massachusetts and. But within the league, you know, it was the first time, or maybe it might have been my second time, you know, facing wood bats. Um, but the, the talent of players is just incredible when you go up there and play, you know, at, at the Cape. Um, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly mind-blowing because you don't know how many first-round or second-round or top, you know, just top ten-round guys you're going to play with in, in the Cape Cod League because um, – Everybody there could go in the top ten rounds, which I mean that's that's just incredible. I mean that's just how prestige that that league is, and that's how they pick their players to come play there. So exactly. So adding to that, man, growing up, were you one that stayed away from home very often for months at a time, or was pro ball in the cave and you know going off to college? Was that kind of a new thing? Because I feel like that's kind of a that's kind of the hard thing about pro ball is being gone six, seven, eight, nine months away from home, and and you've never done it. You know, uh, yeah. were you kind of that kid that stayed around home a lot, or you you was venturing out growing up? I was venturing out, man. I, I've always uh, I I never stayed at home. My mom and dad would always get so mad at me because I was never home. You know, by dinner time or whatever, I was always you know it, it could be a, a house away or it could be a whole state away. It didn't matter. I was always, you know, you know, just all over the place. But I feel like college really geared me up, you know, for pro ball on that aspect. You know, being away from home. You know, I was only three hours away from the house whenever I played in Mississippi State. But um, it really taught me how to live on my own, and you know how I can go about myself a little bit differently when nobody's there to 
you know, wash your clothes or wash the dishes or clean the floor or, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm here playing pro ball, you know, like you said, it's eight, nine months out of the year. Um, and with AAA, it's actually three weeks longer than, you know, single A or double A or whatever. And then the big league season's even longer than that. So, um, when I, I guess whenever I went to college and it really prepared me for being able to live on my own for that, you know, extent of time. So, uh, real quick, two moments. Draft day, and then the day you got called up. Give give the give the listeners, give the viewers, give them an opportunity to kind of feel what you were feeling on those two days. Okay, so let's see. They did the first round, and then they did this. Well, they did the first round one day, and then they did the second round another day, and then the third through tenth round or something like that on the third day. Uh, yeah. So I was getting some phone calls, talking to my agent here and there. I was. You know, just laying down in bed on the phone the whole time, just picking up the phone, up and down, up and down. And, uh, yeah, he's just kind of keeping me informed about what's going on and all that good stuff. And the Dodgers called, or the Dodgers called him and asked him if I would take a, you know, a certain amount of money uh, in the second round. And it was way under slot. And I said, no, uh, that's, I don't want to, I don't want to go to the Dodgers. Uh, it's not really that I went, didn't want to go to the Dodgers, but I knew what I was worth time and it was nowhere near and then the white Sox. the next day um i i was actually i didn't even know the next day was a third round to the tenth round day and i didn't even know what time it came on and i had this in my mind that i was just gonna go hook up to the boat i'm gonna go to the lake i'm gonna you know hang out all day or whatever and completely just forgot about all that kind of stuff, which is not like me at all. And, you know, the draft was one of the biggest moments of my life. And so I get a phone call. I'm, like, putting the boat on the on the, on the hitch. And I get a phone call. Hey, uh, the White Sox want you for yada, yada, yada. I'm like, yeah, tell them, yeah, tell them, yeah. Um, and he said, okay, okay, bye. And he hung up real quick. So I didn't hear, and then I didn't hear from him for, like, an hour. I'm like, maybe it fell through or something. I don't know. And never got a phone call, nothing. And I'm filling the boat up at the gas station, and I have the radio on uh, doing the draft. And then I had a full blast. All the windows were down so I could hear it, and I'm over here filling the boat up. And the uh, uh, draft said, oh, Chicago White Sox select. Connor Pilkington in the third round pick what was it, eighty one or something yeah, like 81, that. Yeah, eighty one, yeah. And uh <laughs> and my heart just I was just like that just happened. <laughs> in the third <laughs> round I was like, Oh my goodness. And uh so that's that's how I found out. I found out over the radio and I, I went to go pick my phone up to to call my dad and I picked my phone up and my phone just looked like it was doing some crazy stuff. It's just message after message after message after message after message. After. I mean, I probably had 600 messages from you know people I knew and people I didn't even know that I had that had my number or whatever. Just text you know text me congratulations and stuff like that. And I'm like, I was just overwhelmed. Ended up going to the lake, having a good time, and 
That's how my that's how my draft day went. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine how your phone looked because I know Kobe will just turn his phone off. He gets tired of dealing with folks. He said, "I'm not I'm not talking to nobody." So I can imagine. Well, you know, you came from the metropolis of Hurley, so I, I'm imagining all 714 people that live there probably texted you or called you. <laughs> no doubt, for sure, for sure. All right, so let's fast forward. You get drafted. Everything's going well in the minors. You know, every every Mississippi State fan, especially, is following your progress. And then you get the real call. What was the real call like? The real call had to have been scary. So I played with the White Sox, and I ended up getting traded last year. I won for one trade with Cesar Hernandez from the Indians. And then, I, you know, I came over here. I finished out double-A with uh, Cleveland. And then um, – so I, I end up getting put on the 40-man roster in November, and I get invited to big league camp. And I go through big league camp. I have a really good big league camp, and I get pulled in the office by Tito, our general, which is our manager, you know. And he sits me down, and I'm thinking, you know, at this at this point in time, you know, there's he's pulling people in and out, you know, to tell them they're either, you know they're getting sent down to minor league camp for the remainder of the you know, week and a half that we're there, or or you don't get pulled in the office. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking I'm just getting sent down to back to minor league camp to gear up for the triple A season, you know? And, uh, so he pulls me in the office. He goes, Hey Connor, how you doing? And he shakes my hand and everything. And, um, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to tell y'all like perfectly because it's, it was insane how it happened. And he was like, uh, you know, he really had a good camp and everything. I just want to let you know. He said, you know, he said, you know what? He said, screw this. I'm not even going to sit here and try to give you a runaround. You're going to be on the open of day roster. And my heart just sunk. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, here I am. I ain't even played AAA. I ain't played in and AAA. And I'm over here about to join the big league guys for, you know, the beginning of the season. And, you know, all, all of our, a couple of our front office guys are in there, you know, telling me and our pitching coach, uh, Carl's in there and, you know, Tito's at this. We're sitting and talking and, and I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm so happy. I could have done, I told, I was like, they said, how you feel? I said, yeah, I could have cut back flips right there on the spot. And, uh, he went to go shake my hand and my hand, I'm telling you, it was like I just dipped it in water. My hands were sweating so bad. Already, I was so I wasn't even nervous, but I was just so excited. It was just like golly, and I did that. I ran outside right quick, and I just I, I yelled yes at the top of my lung. It was just, it was the craziest thing ever. I called my dad. He was more excited than I was. He was screaming and hooping and hollering on the phone. And uh, but that moment right there, I was like golly, and I ended up you know I ended up playing I guess through like four weeks up there and then I got sent down I got pulled right back up the next day and then I've been up and down all season so but that moment right there was you know one of the special moments of my life well when you and got your too, go ahead come. just kind of, a, kind of a off topic but there's a lot of familiar faces on that uh, big league club been up and down this year I don't know if y'all were up at the same time but uh, Nick Sandlin and Kurt McCarty both how was that, man? I mean, I, oh yeah, so, yeah. Me and Kirk, you know, we're in Columbus right now on AAA, and San Sandlin's still up there. But you know, getting to really talk to those guys, I haven't really talked to them too much. And my, you 
you know, my baseball career. But getting to talk to those guys is pretty cool. And, you know, Thaw was he, they played in Southern Miss, and I actually played with Bobby Bradley. He's no, you know, he's no longer playing anymore. But he ended up uh, getting cut. But he, uh, there's four. I think there was four or five different guys that either played ball and in Mississippi or from Mississippi, which it was pretty neat. So. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, you'll always be tied to history because uh, you were part of the call-ups, the weather group of call-ups that set the MLB record, the most by one team in one season in MLB history. Uh, the whole record was oh, yeah. like 16, I think. And I noticed yesterday or day before yesterday, you guys called up your 22nd player to the big leagues. I don't know. That's wild, isn't it? We, I, I don't know. I, I, I just play the game. I tell them that all the time. Hey, I just play the game, and they they point fingers and they tell me where to go, and that's what I do. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I guess they're just trying out. You know, looking forward to twenty twenty three. I know you know we're in the playoff push right now, obviously, but or we're hoping to keep that you know keep that spot in the playoffs so, in that central division. But I don't know. I guess they're just trying to try people out and all that good stuff. I'm not sure. Well, your first MLB appearance, like you said you've gone back and forth, your first MLB appearance, your very first time in the show. Now, was this just a friends and family came to watch you, or did you, like, tell the whole South Mississippi, come up and check me out? Like, how'd that work? So. Told everybody. Ended up only being my, uh, you know, my girlfriend and my, my parents uh, ended up being there. Um, but other than that, it, it, that's the only people I really needed, honestly. Um, you know, to watch me. Um, I know people have my back the most, but yeah, I actually came out of the bullpen my first MLB appearance, and uh, that's what I was when they when they told me in that meeting that I was telling you about. When they told me I was going to be on the open league roster, they told me I was going to be out of, a long relief out of the bullpen, but they still viewed me as a starter. So you know, the starter went down, and I just fell in the place. But if not, then I would just be in the bullpen as a you know a long relief guy. Uh, but I ended up, you know, I had my first appearance uh, against uh, Giants out of the bullpen. Don't remember and much of it, do you? No, nah. I don't. Heart beating in your back. I, I, pitched, I, I, pitched, I pitched on a Friday, and then I pitched again on a Sunday. Mm. And then and then, um, and then the rest, I, don't know, I, I can't even tell you. <laughs> Couldn't hear the crowd. Heart was in your back. You couldn't breathe. Everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you remember your first strikeout? Yeah, my first strikeout was um, – I remember. I just don't remember the name of the guy because I was, like, so overwhelmed with the whole situation and everything. I remember how I got him out and everything. Uh, I think I, it was, like, five pitches. I had him on a 2-2 count. And I think I threw a slider, I think. It might have been a slider. I'm assuming they let you keep the ball, huh? Oh yeah, I kept the ball, jersey, hat. I mean, all that stuff. It was, I have, I have probably two or three jerseys that's authenticated now. A couple hats are authenticated, and you know, I think they had a Jackie Robinson jersey. Um, what else? I think I have a regular jersey for my first win. I have another jersey for I can't remember what day it was. I have all sorts of stuff. They, they authenticate stuff just to authenticate stuff up there. So, so how far into your career do you think you're going to have to be before they uh, end up retiring your your number at your high school in Hurley? 
So y'all have had a few guys from East Central though that have, that have made it to the big leagues. So y'all are kind of like a baseball factory. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Cole. Well, I was just asking you answered my question right there, man. I was going to ask who all have they had and if they've had any big leaguers. I didn't know if he was. Uh, I assumed he was. We've had people drafted, but I don't think there's been any uh, true big leaguers yet. So you're a one of one, man. That's well, I mean, there. can't everybody be DeSoto Central right off the bat? Y'all got to do what you got to do. I understand. Oh, yeah. All right, so um, the reason, Kobe, I was going to answer the question, all that stuff that he's keeping up with, all these jerseys and stuff, that's for the museum they're going to build for him. He's got to have all that to put in it. Yeah. yeah. See? Our living room right now looks like a museum. <laughs> Well, eventually they'll build something get hurled. You know that'll be that'll be where they store everything. Oh, uh, I got one last question for you. Whatever Kobe's got, there's a term that has been associated with you all the way back to your high school days. I've heard this description of you from the time you pitched in high school, through your college experience, and now into the pros. You are commonly referred to as a grinder. Is that a fair assessment? Do you do you embrace that term or? Oh yeah, I, I love the term grinder. I think it's you know it defines exactly who I am. That's hardworking and gritty, and you know never backing down and pitching with confidence. Um, I feel like that's what a grinder is and what it means to me. Um, especially, and I've really, I've really tried my true grinder. You know, coming up through the minor leagues too. You know, there's been some guys you know you talk to is just like, oh yeah, I had a you know this that and the other. And, here I am, and I've done this. I'm like, dude, you ain't been through it. <laughs> you ain't been through it. I've, I've seen people have been through it, and you ain't been through it in your baseball career. You just kind of, you know, going through the motions and stuff. But I've, you know, I've always took up that the term uh, grinder uh, when I'm playing ball and stuff as an athlete. So, man, if you could, if you had one guy, I don't know if this would be a pitching coach or just even a person that probably had the biggest impact on you getting to the big leagues, and obviously having as much success as you've had in college. Does anybody come to mind, or is it a collective group of people? Or um, If I had to have one person that really um, – you're talking about just in baseball that's just, like, influenced me the most, or are you just talking about – Yeah, like, yeah, a pitcher or a baseball player or somebody that's kind of helped you, guide you, mold you throughout the way, or is it kind of just like, I got this from this guy, this guy helped me here, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, you pick up a lot of stuff along the way, man. But um, to be honest with you, my biggest my biggest coach is my dad. Uh, my dad, he does um, – he does it's, – it's incredible what my dad does, you know, with the video work and, you know, breaking down mechanics and, you know, showing me stuff with my hand placement, the way my feet work on the mound, the way my, uh, you know, transfer of weight – uh, from one foot to another foot on the mound, it's it's really incredible. But I've you know I've I had how many pitching coaches did I have? I had I think I had one, two, three, four. I think I had five different pitching coaches in college, 
Yeah, and I, I took a little bit. If I could take one little tiny thing away from each one of them, you know, you know, take that and then take it to minor leagues and take those coaches and just grab little things here and there and try to form them into one thing. That's that's who I am. So I got you. Baseball is life, man. That's it's the uh, your your dad. You said you, was your biggest influence. He also had a, a career in baseball. Not he did not. He's just very, very, very intelligent. Um, my dad is one of the smartest men I've ever met in my life when it comes to you know breaking down and analyzing stuff like that. When he's always told me I'm such hard headed trying to listen to him too, and I still am. But that guy really helped me out um, throughout my entire career. I'm glad to hear that because most kids, when their dads are trying to give them, you know, imparting that wisdom to them, especially about mechanics and stuff like that. That's the last thing they want to hear. They don't want to hear anything from their dad. They'll listen to any other oh, I man. Gave, I, I gave him crap. I gave him crap the whole time. I can I can go back and just see it from high school on on how much hell I gave him. Really, just trying to tell me you know this that and the other. And I'm over here being a know it all high school kid, you know. And you know when I get to college, I'm like, oh man, that actually you know that actually works. <laughs> All right, so after a 12 to 15 year Tom Glavin like career, what what's after baseball? I heard you say education was important to you. So what's after baseball? I'm not going back to school. I know that. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that sounds real familiar, now. <laughs> yeah, that's my past life. Uh, let's see. I want to. I've always wanted to start a uh, offshore ch- uh, charter business. Um, I have an offshore boat right now. And that's what I love doing is offshore fishing. Um, I love doing fishing stuff like that. You know, catching you know bottom fish stuff like that. But um, I want like a. I want. I want to be able to go to a, a ranch and stuff like that. Um, be able to hunt, hunt and do whatever I need to do, fish and stuff like that. But I also want to be able to. You know, come back home and enjoy the, enjoy the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Sounds like a solid plan, especially if you get 12 or 15 years in the league. That's what I'm saying. 12 or 15 years, you do a lot of stuff for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you can, you know. Kobe, Kobe you got, any, you got anything else for him, brother? Nah, I think that's it, man. Man, I tell you, I'm, I am amazed that we got a half hour out of a uh, big-time professional baseball player. I, I figured he was so busy he wouldn't have time to talk to us. Oh, this is an off day. We got in off the bus at like 11.15, 11.30 last night. Uh-huh. And I, you know, I came in, went straight to sleep. No, you haven't been out of college long enough to go to sleep that quick. Sounds good. Um, for all of our listeners, all of our viewers that want to keep up with Connor Pilkington and his rise to the Hall of Fame, how can they reach out? How can they find you on social media? All that kind of stuff. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and I have a Facebook. I just mainly, I don't really use the Facebook that much, but Instagram, Twitter, I'm on there. I'm on Instagram, I guess, once or twice every day. Um, 
give me a follow. And if I know you, I'll follow you back. If I don't, sorry about it. But uh, that's where you can find and uh, find me and you know, you know see see my life through you know your eyes. So. Whatever y'all do, don't try to tag him on anything because he's he's got tag restrictions. So that's that's the disadvantage of being a big time baseball player, though. All right, Kobe, you got any last word for him? I appreciate you being on, man. Uh, We really appreciate it. We enjoyed it. Uh, Keep grinding, man. Keep putting it out. Man, I appreciate y'all having me on, man. I really enjoyed this, and um, it it was fun. It was fun. Well, we want to thank our guest, Connor Pilkington, today, ex-Mississippi State great, ex-East Central great, future Cleveland Guardian great, future Hall of Famer, 12-year pro. He's working on it, too. All right. Thank you, sir. We're going we're gonna to send you guys right. out with uh, Kobe telling you a little bit about our sponsors. Hey, guys. Kobe here. As my journey continues, people tell me as I battle on the mound, it's really a game that's purely mental. But I understand that the physical well-being is equally important. Mike and Christy Johnson of our title sponsor, the clinic at Farmer's Med Shop, in my hometown of Foxworth, Mississippi, echo the same sentiment. When you're looking for the answer for all your health needs, call or stop by and let Mike and his wonderful staff help you be the best you can be. Honesty, integrity, and hard work. These are characteristics that drive me on my journey. The same can be said for Hunter Forbes and his crew. So call or contact Forbes and Son Wood Products, LLC, in Sandy Hook, Mississippi, for all your timber harvesting needs.